Get ready to enjoy an earful of auditory indulgence as you explore Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die, presented in cooperation with Workman Publishing. What's up, everybody? Welcome to 1,000 Recordings Podcast, episode 40, and uh, I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With me... (laughs) As always, every week is London Punk, Mitchell Davis. What's up? Yeah. All right. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Um, you know, Mitch and I were talking uh, before the show about maybe making a small change to the podcast, and we wanted to put it to you guys, the listeners, and just get your feedback on it. Uh, but one of the comments I've been getting from people who really like the podcast, but uh, one of the the sort of more critical comments I've been getting is about the length of the episodes. That they're the episodes are long, and uh, and they are they're long. Um, we've been kicking around the idea of truncating the podcast from five albums to three albums per podcast, uh, and trying to keep the show at an hour or less. Um, and we would love to hear your feedback on that idea. So send your feedback to, you know, you can send it to our email, 1000recordingspodcast at gmail.com. You can, uh, uh, you know, comment on the Facebook page or send us a message on Twitter, you know, however you want to do it. But, uh, yeah, just let us know what you think about that idea. So. Cool. Yeah, I, yeah, it's definitely something that that I, I think it, it, it could be beneficial, you know, in a lot of ways uh, as as people who love music, you know, tend to ramble on and, and talk quite a bit, you know, it, it can it can spread things out to where all of a sudden, you know, the the time that we have is has pushed way past what we expected. So, you know, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we've definitely had marathon two and a half hour shows. So, oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so this week uh, we're still doing five albums uh, from Tom Moon's book. 1,000 recordings to hear before you die. Uh, the first album we're going to hear is the Clancy Brothers and the Dubliners Irish Drinking Songs. Then we're going to move on to Clannad, their album Macala. Then Guy Clark, his album Old Number One. Then Sonny Clark, his album Cool Strutton. And we're going to end with The Clash, London Calling. So let's get right on to uh, the first album, the the Clancy Brothers and the Dubliners Irish Drinking Songs released in 1997, um, but recordings made in the 60s. And we're going to concentrate on the Clancy Brothers with Tommy Mackham. Um, but most of the album is the Clancy Brothers. There are a few tracks by the group, the Dubliners. But uh, we're going to listen to a couple of tracks by the Clancy Brothers. And uh, a little bit on the Clancy Brothers. Um, they really hit in the 1960s and uh, they were living in New York uh, doing some shows, uh, you know, introducing sort of New York artists um, that were really into the the sort of folk music revival in the early 60s around Greenwich Village. Uh, they were introducing them to, you know, traditional Irish music. They were one of the earliest groups to introduce America to this music. And they really broke huge on March 12th, 1961 when they played for 16 minutes on the Ed Sullivan show for an audience of 80 million people. 
Wow. Um, and this is like something that, you know, this were back back in the days, obviously, when the audience wasn't spread so thin across, you know, a million television channels and Internet channels and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's where you could have a variety show and have 80 million people see it, you know, just because there's nothing else going on. Right. Yeah. So everybody's yeah. watching the same thing. Um, and uh, this led to a record contract, which that's amazing to me. You know, they're on this show for 80 million people. They don't even have a, re- a record contract yet. Um, so they were signed by Columbia and given an advance of a hundred thousand dollars, which was a huge amount of money in, in uh, 1967 or mm-hmm. uh, sorry, 1961. Uh, I mean, it's a, a huge amount of money now, but it was a major, majorly huge amount amount of money then. Um, yeah. One thing I thought was interesting is a little trivia. Uh, they had Pete Seeger on backup banjo on their first album. Um, which we heard a lot of Pete Seeger way back. I don't know what episode it was. Um, but he was, you know, one of the originators of the folk movement. And he was sort of, I don't know. It's kind of interesting to see him in a backup role, you know? Um, but, uh, well, in, in, in this case, maybe, maybe not so much, you know, where, you know, the, what, what the Clancy brothers were trying to do. Um, because I mean, he, I'm, I'm sure he, you know, had a, an appreciation for it in a lot of ways. Um, and it, and what he had to offer just really worked, I think. Um, yeah. It, it wasn't in a sense where um, let's let's say like the, the, a group like, I don't know this. I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a group where, you know, you had a, a lot of people who, you know, were heavy hitters on their own, but, but kind of, you know, sort of reeled their own stuff back in to to make it work for one group like the traveling wilburys you know sort of like that i mean all those guys were were hella famous but you know they just created this band that you know sort of really did something really different outside of you know their own personas you know away from each other i guess i I don't know this may not be a good example of that you know but i I think it's it's kind of like pete seeger you know just saying hey i I, I love this. I want to be a part of this, you know, even though, you know, I'm, I'm Pete Seeger and I could, I could do other things. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It was just like him, just, you know, his contribution, you know, so to speak to, to something that was, that was really cool. I mean, yeah. and this is a really cool record. I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah. you know, just, I mean, I can imagine, you know, even now, uh, just especially in London or, or somewhere in the UK or, or Ireland, a pub full of folks that, you know, kind of just wipe away the day, you know, with a song like this and, you know, a, a belly full of beer, like Paul McCartney would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just perfect. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the, the music doesn't have to be, you know, you know, perfect and the, and the singing doesn't have to be all, you know, I mean, ornately arranged and harmonized. It, that's not even the, the point. It's 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 going back to you know the old days of, of how people used to sing and 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 kind of get together and party and and you know sort of reviving that that same spirit. You know, because the spirit is still there. People still have really really hard times and 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 just want to have a moment where they can just kind of put all that aside and and let their inhibitions go and you know get smashed 
Right? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and that's an important distinction about the music on this album. So the music is all about drinking and alcohol, but it's not about the consequences of alcohol. It's not about the morning after when you wake up and you're like, oh God, what did I do last night? Yeah. It's yeah. not about the long-term effects of you know, living a life, you know, drinking and all stuff. This is music for the moment. Yeah. When you are drunk and high on the feeling and everything's, you know, grand. And this is mu music for that moment, um, which is typified by our first song, Beer, Beer, Beer. <laughs> so uh, this song is uh, a spirited tribute to beer. And, you know, this fictional character, Charlie Mops, who created this beer out of hops. Get it? It rhymes. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> he, uh, it even includes a five-second moment of silence to him. Um, and it's just about the reverence of beer. Um, and I really want a beer when I listen to this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It's that's. I mean, like I said, it's the, it's that spirit of, you know, like you said, reveling in the moment. And and obviously, you know, we don't mean to, you know, take lightly. People have lots of issues with alcoholism and and whatnot. But but that's not what this is about. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, hey, just let's let's drink, let's get the problems of our day and and the problems of this life, you know off our chest for, for a moment and, you know, sort of, you know, huddle with the masses and, you know, sing songs and, and drink till we're full. I mean, and it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's perfect. I mean, it, it is, you know, it, it works so well. I mean, obviously this is not the only kind of drinking music. So, so to speak, especially, I mean, where I hear, where I'm at here in Texas, I mean, you know, the, the mariachi and, and, and Tejano culture, I mean, probably could could get with the Irish at some point and maybe <laughs> have a collaboration because that's a whole nother, you know, show in itself. But, um, you know, there, there's something about a good drinking song, you know, that yeah. that I, I really respect. You know, it's 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 something that can just go through the ages where, you know, generations of people, you know, can, you know, appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, let's listen to it. Cool. This is the Clancy Brothers with Beer, Beer, Beer. One, two, three. Beer, 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 jiggly beer, beer, beer. A long time ago, way back in history, when all there was to drink was nothing but cups of tea. Along came a man by the name of Charlie Mox, and he invented a wonderful drink and he made it out of hop. He might have been an admiral, a soldier, or a king. Bar, the fancies pub, the hole in the wall as well. Oh, wonder you can be sure of it's Charlie's beer they sell. So come on, old me lucky lads, eleven o'clock she stops. Five short seconds, remember Charlie Mops. One, two, three, four, five. He might have been an admiral, a soldier, or a king. Yeah. 
And we just heard beer, beer, beer. And we're going to move on to Whiskey, You're the Devil. Um, this is really traditional sounding to me. Uh, it's got, well, first of all, this is a live performance. So you get that live energy out of it. This is uh, the Clancy Brothers with Tommy Mackham. And, uh, you know, you have this penny whistle, like you hear in Irish music, sort of du- doubling the sing- you know, sung melody. Um and it's <laughs> it's just singing about whiskey is is the devil but in a sense like you know it's the devil like a like a seductress kind of yeah and like you know it's it's still sung about in in a in a very re- reverential way like in the moment you know what i mean mm-hmm. um again not talking about the consequences of the whiskey but um, just drinking the whiskey in the moment, um, and it, it pretty much speaks for itself. I, I think. What do you think <laughs> of it? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, going back to what you said about the consequence. Again, we uh, we're not trying to make light of of what goes on with alcoholism. Obviously, there's there's a very dark side to to being an alcoholic, and and, and even generations of alcoholism. But this is an album that you know. It's it's like you said it's 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 not necessarily you know urging people to go that way. I mean, you know, with I mean drinking and, and reveling and having fun, but with restraint. I mean, you know, and I mean, I I, I feel that even here too. I mean, where even if it's just for a moment, you know, you kind of lose it. I mean, it's you know, I, I don't think that's what they're they were you know kind of encouraging, so to speak, or or what they were trying to you know pull people to i mean it's it's more like you said more about more about tradition and and the and the culture and, and and sound of the music and and just going back to the roots of of what you know sort of irish folk music was about um yeah you know and and, and definitely in a in a sense of 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 sort of lighthearted, you know merry um i mean it's 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 hard not to hear this and feel lighthearted, you know really oh yeah you know oh, the, impossible i think yeah exactly like the, like you said the, the penny whistle and and the and the, i mean even the banjo which uh something I, I when i was reading it it wasn't really common to have banjo in this type of music for for years and years which i find that hard to believe i mean well the banjo seems, is not a, a traditionally irish music it's an american music uh, yeah uh, and, american I, instrument I, I should say i, I correlated with with Irish folk music. I don't know why, I guess, you know, I, I guess it's just something that I, I kind of figured it was always there, you know, but apparently it was not, you know, I mean, just the, the feel of the banjo and the, in the happy sound, like, like Steve Martin, you know, always says right. <laughs> a sad song on a banjo. I just, it's just something I correlate with, with this type of music, but apparently it, it wasn't always there, you know? So that was something different for me that I, I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, man, let's check it out. Cool. This is the Clancy Brothers with Tommy Mackham. Whiskey, you're the devil. Hey, whiskey, you're the devil. You're laden me astray. Over hills and mountains and to America. Your sweet are stronger days and are your spunky are not tape. Oh, whiskey, you're me darling, drunk or sober. Boys, we're on for marching off to Portugal and Spain. Drums are beating, banners flying, the devil our home will come tonight. Love, fare thee well, 
With me to the eight little lamada, me to the eight little lamada. Mere likes for total laddie, oh, that's whiskey in the jar. Hey, whiskey, you're the devil, you're leading me astray. Over hills and mountains into America. Your sweeter, stronger taste, and your spunkier nutty. Oh, whiskey, you're me darling, drunk or sober. Said the mother, do not wrong me, don't take me daughter from me. For if you do, I will torment you enough. The dead me ghost will haunt you, love, fare thee well. When you should read the doodle lamada, me to the read the doodle lamada. Mere exfalt or a laddie, oh, there's whiskey in the jar. Hey, whiskey or the devil, you're leading me astray. Over hills and mountains and to America. Yes, sweeter, stronger, decenter, yes, spunkier, nutty. Oh, whiskey, you're me darling, drunk or sober. No, the French are And we just heard Whiskey, You're the Devil. And we're going to move on to our second album, Clanad, the album Makala from 1985. Makala meaning Echo, which I think is a very apt title. Mm. Uh, The the production of this album is very reverberant and (laughs) echoey. You know, they (laughs) had that that 80s sort of uh, pop production where there's like, they, they just use like tons of, you know, reverb and delay and, and echo effects. And sometimes this the music is just saturated with these effects. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it does have that, that it, you know, in one way, the album sounds very dated to me because it does have that very 80s pop production. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and and I think this it's it's just kind of one aspect of of what they were. I mean, this this particular record um, with, with, it's funny. You should you should kind of mention the, the, the dated sound because uh, they're one of those groups that that kind of had a sort of like a, a different stage as they as they kind of progressed, um, you know, from from what this was to what they eventually kind of wound up sounding like much later i guess and um you know yeah I, i'm not i'm not a huge fan of the way this record sounds but some of their other stuff is 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 it's just different i i would say because i'm not a huge fan of them really period but um i can remember there was a period uh in the early 90s where they had this song that was in a volkswagen commercial um and I'm trying to remember the name of the song. It 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 kind of it escapes me. Oh, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> there, it was it was um it was like to a movie. I want to say it's it was Henry's Game or. But anyway, this song was it was massive for them. I mean, it was it was it was ridiculous how how much people wanted this song, and it was just it was one commercial. It was like a like I said, it was a Volkswagen commercial. And I, I'm I'm gonna figure it out in a minute, but. Um, this this song kind of propelled them into like this national spotlight, and um, you know it was just one of those things that I was like, who are they and where they come from? And then you know, kind of Harry's game—that's the name of the song. Uh, come to find out, they're they're all kind of you know just you know this really talented musicians. I think I think uh, Enya was uh, was in the band at one time, like. I don't, I don't. I mean, I know you probably know of her, and um, yeah, and they're all related, and yeah, um, yeah. 
And uh, it was just kind of like a, a movement where that that whole kind of, you know, electronic new age, you know, mix of Irish, you know, Celtic singing and kind of jumped off, you know. And I mean, right. like I said, this is just sort of like an early version of of what they did. And then then they eventually kind of, you know, went on, like you said, and, and took a lot of what that sound with the reverb and the and the mysterious kind of echoing and just kind of amped it up, you know. And and like I said, that one song they had, I mean, it was it was crazy. I mean, you know, people would come in, wouldn't know the name of the song, but they would just say the Volkswagen commercial. And like, oh, okay, that's right up here. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So they were they were quite a phenomena in in the in the early nineties, along with like I said, Inya and, right. and I think uh, right. Marie Marie Brennan and a lot of those groups. And anyway. Um, Right. Well, Marie Brennan was part of Clonad. I mean, I know she did some uh, solo stuff, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, that was one of the things about this album that was hard for me to get past was the, the whole new age. That it, it's when you speak of new age is sort of just like a blanket statement, blanket genre of what we yeah. think of as like new age. Uh, this album has that vibe really strongly on a lot of it. Um just like I said, this sort of super reverberated, washed out um, harps and and synthesizers and and vocals and stuff, and um, yeah, it, it you, you know the first time I I listened through the album, I was just like, whoa, mm -hmm. I just this this is like I <laughs> I didn't I did I didn't really it didn't do it for me. And then, you know, on subsequent listens, I was like, you know, it, just like anything, any, any music that you're not familiar with and, and you, you just, you keep listening to it. You don't close your mind off to it. And you eventually find things like, okay, you know, I, I, I can dig this. I can, um, uh, you know, see the cool, some cool things here and all that stuff. And it, it, um, you know, it, you start, you start to get past those initial, things that your mind is just like oh i don't like that you know what i mean yeah um, and it, and it was it was 1985 yeah dude this oh my god is this they hadn't really evolved <laughs> quite a bit before you know like i said what happened with them in the 90s i mean the 90s for for this group was it was much different than this period and i mean you know okay what's what's funny when i look at this record i think about um was our, there was an early ministry record called With Sympathy. And it was almost the same thing where they their first record was, it was very, it was very like kind of polished synth music that, you know, didn't really go over well initially. And and they were one of those groups that that really evolved in a in a, a radical way where their sound began to change as they went on and got got better and i mean it's it's kind of hard to compare those two groups because they're really not the same band at all but i mean when when i look at this record i think about what happened to them too i think about what happened to al jorgensen in, in ministry where they 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 started one way and, and beginning you know in the new decade of the 90s they they kind of begin to evolve more and more and you know and and get get better for for lack of a better way of saying it not that this is a bad record but it it was just a different time. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. 
That well, that that's a place I never thought the conversation would go. When we were talking about Cornad <laughs> to ministry. Wow. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the first track we're going to listen to is "Closer to Your Heart," and uh, this is like to me, this is very Fleetwood Mac. I, in fact, uh, you know, that's one thing that Tom Moon mentioned. But it's funny because when I listen to the album, I listened to the album several times before I actually read. Uh, Tom Moon's entry in the book and that was one of my first initial things was wow this is like an Irish Fleetwood Mac a lot of times and uh, in this song in particular um, it sounds very Fleetwood Mac-ish to me but you know in their own way you know in their own style I'm not saying it's you know uh, a ripoff of Fleetwood Mac but it just you know their, their harmonies how they sing this sort of uh you know, backbeat of the song and all this stuff is very Fleetwood Mac-ish to me. Again, you know, it has this very 80s pop production sound. It has this, uh, what I'm pretty sure is like a, you know, like a plugged-in ovation acoustic guitar. They had a very particular sound. And um, yeah, what did you think of this? Uh, you know, it's just like you said, it's it, it's it's kind of a, a, a more pop version of, you know, what they were later become, which is kind of like a new age type, you know, you know, Celtic folk sort of mixture, um, kind of, kind of slick, but, but still the, the, the voices there. I, I, I love her. The, I love the vocal on this. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's really nice, but it's, it's just one of those, like you said, it's, it's one of those records that the, it, it doesn't age well, <laughs> you know, for not for me, you know, yeah, but it, I'm with you. I'm with you totally. It's 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 just a, an interesting kind of portrait of what they were in in the start of of what they were doing, um, and um, you know, it's 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 not really fair, I guess, to kind of you know look at what they had, you know, for the time, you know, because it was like it was the middle eighties, you know, there was there was so many things going on with synthesizers that seemed you know, sort of cheesy and, and corny, you know, for the time, you know, but, um, yeah, it's almost like you're, you're right. It's like a snapshot. It's almost like one of those pictures that you take at the time that you think is really cool. And then you look at 20 years later oh, and you're yeah. like, my God, my hair what was, I think, trust me. Yeah. That's, I, I've, <laughs> got, I've, I've got quite a bit of that and I'm, I'm still trying to burn and, and throw away and get rid of just, <laughs> just like, why was, why was my hair that color or why was my hair cut that way? Or, you know, what was I thinking anyway? Yeah. <laughs> Although I have to say, you know, when we worked together at the music store. I do miss the fro. Yeah. It looked good on you. Trust me. If I could grow the fro, I would, <laughs> but, but those days are gone. My, my gone. hair is not cooperating anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, let's check this out. This first track from, uh, Clannad. Closer to your heart.
you just heard Closer to Your Heart, and we move on to I what I can gather was one of the biggest hits from the album, In a Lifetime. Yeah, yeah. A duet between uh, Marie Brennan and Bono. Yeah. And uh, again, this is very, reminded me of Fleetwood Mac, sort of. I mean, I can, you know, when I'm listening to the song, I can really almost hear you know, Christine McVie and Lindsey Buckingham doing this track. Yeah. Um, and again, it has, you know, this sound, you know, this really super reverberated harp, uh, you know, fretless electric bass, um, re- uh, echoed out chimes, electric piano, you know, all this, <clears throat> this sort of, uh, you know, combination of sound. Um, and I don't just a little trivia about the song. It, it it actually starts with Marie Brennan teaching Bono Gaelic mm. during the uh, instrumental, sorry, instrumental introduction. It's really hard to hear. I mean, it's you know whisper. really yeah, sort of like buried in the mix, and again, like just saturated, reverbed, echoed out. You know, um, to where it almost yeah sounds like you know nondescript whispering. You know, but that's that's what it was apparently. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this one? Well, in, in Bono's presence on this song, it it it's kind of a testament to you know what it seemed like the the record label at the time was trying to do was 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 give them sort of like a platform in a in a sense to to bring them the light and and, and kind of sell records. And I, I I it's not this is not a bad record, you know, but I think it's 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 just kind of like the tip of the iceberg of what this group was about um, and what they were going to go on to do. And um, it's, it's a good song. I mean, you know, especially if, if you were into U2 at the time, I'm sure most people, you know, you know, got into the record because of that, but it it's, I think with, without a lot of the slick production, you know, they still were, were just a, a great group. Of, of artists and musicians, you know, that had a lot to say that really didn't come out on this record, but, but later records did, you know, and, and this, like I said, again, this is not a bad record, but it's, it's almost like a, a different time in, in a, in a different era for them where they, yeah. they kind of came into their own more. And, and this music in, in a sense did too, you know, when you, you look at Enya when she first started and on into the nineties, I mean, I, I can listen to, to Shepherd Moons right now, and and I'm not a real big fan of that type of music, but that's a brilliant record. And and, and compared to the way the music started with the the way synths were, and then on into the '90s, I mean, it's it was just a big difference um, in the way things were done. And um, you know, I, I I like this song. I mean, it's it's not a bad song. I can remember the first time I I heard it. You know, it was great, but it's it's just like a kind of like a foreshadow to me of what they were about to become, you know? And, um, like I said, just some really talented people. Um, I can remember when we worked together, there was a lady, she just, she knew them up and down. I mean, like all the different members and and all the music they did. And, and, and that's part of the way I discovered them too, was just through other people who, you know, were, were fans of the group. And, and I, you know, I, I didn't realize how talented they were until I started delving into, uh, you know, all the different members and and their different projects away from the group and they're they're all really good. Yeah, I don't know that any album at all, but I I, I oh. really never. 
really listen to her. Um, the, oh, Shepherd Moons was like the the one. It, it kind of had her face. It's like a blue cover. Um, that was, I mean, that was one of the records for her. I mean, I I would say it was her her most popular record. Um, and I'm trying to think of one song on it that that was really like like the song that kind of stood out. I really can't think of one, but it it was one of those records that and initially I, I hated it, you know, because I was just like not. <laughs> but then I, I began to listen to it more and 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 fell in love with it, you know, because it was just so good. The the atmosphere of that record was was amazing. I mean, you know, it had a lot of that, you know, reverb and and and, and the echo sound like you talk about, but just it was just much better. And, and again, you know, I, I just feel like I'm picking on this record. I, I, I shouldn't, you know, but you know, just the, yeah. the, the times just didn't age this record yeah, yeah. very well. <laughs> so, well, regrettably or, or non regrettably, however you look at it, Enya is not in the book. No. So, and Tom and Boone gave Enya the shaft. I'm, I'm really amazed. I mean, I, I thought for sure Shepard Moose would be in here, but you know, he, he he already talked to us about that. What he you know looked at, and, and he had so many titles that were in this book that he he could not leave in because of right. you know just just space, which you know and that's fine. You know can't get them all. Yep. I wonder if he. Well, hold on. Let's, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna play the track. Hold on. I'm just looking at something. <laughs> um, let's see. He does give. So in the book, if you, if you guys don't have the book. In the entries, he'll give uh, what he calls a catalog choice, which is like basically, okay, he, listen to Clonad McCalla, and then if you like it, here's the next album you should listen yeah. to. So on, on this one, he, he lists catalog choice Clonad 2. Then he has a couple of things, one called Next Stop, which is a different artist, but in the same genre that you should check out. Under Next Stop, he says you should he- listen to Enya Watermark. Yeah. So yeah, that's, which, I guess, yeah. Enya's sort of in the book. Her entry, uh, yeah. Which, uh, and obviously that was, that was, that was huge too. I mean, that, that, uh, the Sail Away song that's on that album, that was, that was crazy. <laughs> I, I've, I've never seen a, a song of that type have that kind of popularity. Um, um, it was huge. Uh, I think it's Orinoco Flow, something like that, the, the title. That was that was really crazy. I mean, that was that was a hugely popular song, you know, for her and that that whole genre. But anyway, yeah, this, you know, she's here, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's listen to this last track from Clanad. This is in a lifetime. Thank you. 
just heard In a Lifetime by Clannad, and we're going to move on to our third album, Guy Clark, his album Old Number One from 1975. And this is a country artist, uh, one of those country artists that's revered in Nashville, uh, a major songwriter, been, you know, covered by a ton of major country artists have, uh, you know, performed Guy Clark's songs and recorded them. Uh, Guy Clark himself was born in Monahans, Texas, which again, you know, it's Texas is huge. I didn't know where that was. They were both from Texas. Do you know where Monahans is? I do not know. So yeah, I looked it up. It's way out West. So it's like West of Odessa. Um, and so yeah, it's way out there in West Texas. Uh, these are really old school cowboy songs. Um, and uh, they've got that old, you know, they've got a, a sort of more modern bent for the time. I mean, this album was released in 1975, but they've also got that old feeling, you know, almost like Rory Rogers sort of cowboy feeling, but a lot more gritty and real. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um and uh, like I said, he was a major songwriter, still is, uh, based in Nashville. Uh, you know, just some of the artists that have recorded his songs, uh, Johnny Cash, David Allen Coe, Vince Gill, Ricky Skaggs, Steve Warner, Brad Paisley, Alan Jackson, Kenny Chesney. That's just a, a small portion of the people yeah. that have recorded his music. Um, and apparently, you know, he d- never really received huge commercial success um more along the lines of country music aficionados uh people in the industry people around nashville uh he almost is like sort of a cult following among that uh sort of uh you know circle circle. people yeah Yeah. um yeah what did you think of guy of uh guy clark um the 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 thing you said about the 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 feeling of, of how they're like kind of old country songs was was funny about that and, and you know not picking on you know the previous album again but the the songs they they have that that sense or that feel but the playing and the way they come off does not sound old to me at all it it sounds like a record that could have been made you know in this century or I'm sorry in this decade yeah um, I I agree yeah, it, yeah. it it sounds the playing is very good on this record. I mean, you know, that's one thing I noticed right away. And I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm sensing that, like you said, his influence in, in, in country overall is has been tremendous. I think he what he's like seventy something years old now. And um, you know, I, I I can hear his music and and hear songs now that sound just like what he did on this record, you know three decades ago, you know, and I'm like, wow. I mean, it doesn't sound to me, you know, very dated at all. It sounds actually somewhat fresh, which I was a bit surprised about um, once I listened to it, thinking about how old the record was. So right, um, right. I guess in a sense, that's a testament to his talent. Yeah, I agree. That's a great point. I mean, uh, and, and like you said, you know, in, in contrast to the previous album, which sounds very dated, yeah, this one's from 75. It, you're right. It, it sounds like it could have been released, you know, last year, really. Yeah, it, um, it, it sounds very good. Very, very fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, we're going to start with this track called She Ain't Going Nowhere. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, from the, this is the kind of music that you really, you know, it's about the words. And it's about the story that's, you know, the the sort of country poet weaves, you know, or cowboy poet, I should say. Um, and uh, this is, I think, so, about somebody who's just a free spirit, you know, who can't be tied down, um, who just lives life and, you know, throws caution to the wind. And yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like what you said about, you know, the, the, the country poet. I mean, going back to um, kind of what, what Ray Charles talked about, you know, there's so much country and blues, you know, and even soul that, that they seem to just kind of walk, you know, along the same aisle, you know, where they, they're just, they're telling stories, you know, especially, you know, relationship type stories and, and stories of, of being, you know, you know, kind of in storms or whatever. I mean, I, I get that sense here a little bit too. I mean, I wouldn't really call us a blues record, but I, I, I get that, that, that poet sense or that storytelling sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, this is something that's real. I mean, uh, uh, I spent some time in Fort Worth, Texas and my parents live in Fort Worth, Texas. And, uh, there's a, uh, an event every year in Fort Worth called, uh, uh, red garlands, cowboys, something, something I can't remember, but it's, it's always <laughs> at the Fort Worth stockyards. <laughs> And uh, one of the major events is uh, the cowboy poetry. And all these cowboy poets come from all over Texas. And it's almost like a competition, but they'll get up and, you know, recite this cowboy poetry. I mean, this is a tradition that's been going on uh, in Texas for hundreds of years. And this is an extension of that tradition. So, um, yeah, let, let's uh, let's hear this, this first track from Guy Clark. This is She Ain't Going Nowhere. Standing on the gone side of leaving She found a thumb and stuck it in the breeze She'll take anything that's going close to some where she can lay it down and live it like she'd please But she ain't going nowhere, she's just leaving She ain't going nowhere, she can't breathe And she ain't going home, and that's for sure She's not sitting down and crying on her suitcase She has no second thoughts by the road But she's got feelings that need some repairing And she did not give a damn that it showed she ain't going nowhere, she's just leaving And she ain't going nowhere, she can't breathe And she ain't going home, and that's for sure 
but she ain't going nowhere. And we're going to move on to Like a Coat from the Cold. Um, what did you think of this one? Well, the one thing I, I was thinking about when when I was looking through the book is how he, he said a lot of these songs were inspired uh, by times he spent, I guess, at a, at a hotel that was run um, by, I think, his, I think his grandmother, who, who was kind of raising him at the time. And I, I can imagine the, the characters that would come through there. I mean, you know, just all sorts of people that, you know, would give you sort of inspiration or, you know, make you terrified or whatever. And this song seems like one of those songs that was probably inspired, you know, by by like a scenario like that, I, I would say. I mean, you know, um, just uh, kind of just like a sort of like a perspective type song, like you said, where he he's he's watching, you know, people in and out of this hotel as they come through and and, and just being inspired by what he sees. I mean, when, when I hear this song, that's kind of what I think, you know, I mean, you know, I, maybe maybe not. But, you know, that's, that's that was the first thing that came to my mind when I heard it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I was, <laughs> I was dealing with uh, one of my cats. Anyway, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this, this, uh, track, like a coat from the cold, um, you know, the, the words to me on this one, um, it's about this, this, uh, guy who, who's been distant all his life, you know, who's sort of kept his distance from other people, uh, been sort of, uh, you know, not one to let people get too close and really get to know him. But despite that, um, his, his woman or his wife, I'm not sure. Um, she knows him, you know, despite everything, despite his efforts to keep people away. And she's like his coat from the cold. Mm. That's, that's the whole point of the song. Um, you know, which is a nice, you know, it's a nice, sweet song, you know, about, I don't know. Com- companionship and yeah and, and and relationships that can be yeah. complicated and yeah. like like i said i mean I, I imagine he saw like all kinds of people you know as a, as a kid growing up and um you know this like i said this just seems like one of those songs that maybe was inspired by like like a couple that came through there and you know he was just kind of you know seeing whatever they were they were dealing with at the time you know just and I mean, I, I'm trying to think of, you know, the scenario, but I mean, just when, whenever I hear, you know, songs like this, where it, it talks about a, a relationship that's, you know, sort of, like you said, like, you know, complicated with a guy that that has issues and but a, a woman who's kind of, you know, a stand by your man type woman, you know, I mean, I, I, I imagine that's that's probably something that, you know, you know, he probably, you know, just would deal with all the time, you know, as a kid growing up and, and seeing maybe stuff like that, or and maybe not like a kid, but, you know, just growing up, you know, in a, in a hotel, you know, which, you know, all kinds of people probably come through that place or, or that type of place. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, people that, you know, are doing real good people, they're doing horrible, you know, people that are on their last leg, you know, people that just, right. you know, you're like, you know, why are they? get these people out of here, you know? Yeah. Well, it'd be that. Yeah. I mean, the perfect fodder for someone who writes songs about the human experience, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, uh, and 
see, I'm getting better at listening to lyrics. Hmm. I'm getting better. There we go. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's listen to this one. Uh, the second track from Guy Clark, "Like a Coat from the Cold." heard like a coat from the cold and we move on to our fourth album sonny clark cool strutton released in 1958 uh hard bop uh you know dude i don't know that's that's horrible um sonny clark he lived from uh, 1931 to 1963 so this is another artist you know that died young just 31 years old um, died of a heart attack, but uh, a lot of people say from complications of uh, drug and alcohol abuse. Um, he was born in uh, Pennsylvania at 20 years old, moved to California, and you know started getting some work, you know, out there. Became uh, Dinah Washington's accompanist, and went with her in 1957 in New York City, where he moved and stayed. And uh, there, he really got into the jazz scene, played with really uh, every major jazz uh, person that was playing at that time around in and around New York City. He became one of the most sought after sidemen and pianist accompanist, uh, you know, among the jazz scene in New York City at that time. 
Um, what did you think of Sonny Clark? Um, I, I, I love him. First of all, um, second, I think what, what he does, especially on this record is, is a great example of how jazz music, especially can be like a language, um, for the human spirit. If, if that makes sense. Um, it's, it's one of those musics that when it's done this way, you know, it can, it can echo what's going on in a person's spirit like nothing else. I mean, and in, in so much, there's so much in jazz, obviously that's instrumental without words. And, and I think there, there are things in our spirit that, that speak, but speak in a way that, that there's no words to it. And, and when I listen to this, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I mean, it's, it's like a language for, for the human spirit. I mean, it's, it's like a way of talking in a way that, that our, our mouths can't speak if that makes sense. Um, yeah. There's such a clarity to the music, you know, in, in what he's doing and in the, the arrangements that I, I mean, it's just tremendous to me. I mean, um, he was obviously a very talented musician and surrounded himself with, with other talented musicians that, that kind of had a vision, you know, you know, Art Farmer and, and, you know, the like, and it was just, it was just, something that I think is, I don't want to say is lost in jazz right now, but I, I I really, I think that he had something, you know, very, very special. And I mean, especially for the period where this came out, I mean, just, this is a really good record. I mean, you know, just, just solid performance, really clear. I mean, the, the way it was recorded, I mean, it, it really does not, doesn't really sound. I mean, we'll go back to the whole dated thing, which I I, I should stop doing that. Um, no, I it, think it, we should pick on Clannad in like every <laughs> album that we talk about because <laughs> that's really not. It's really not fair. I mean, it's. I mean, it's. You know, we're we're not doing this to 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 have the artists. You know, kind of beat up on each other. I mean, not that Sonny Clark beat up anyway. Um, but it's 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 a record that that still sounds really good, really fresh. It. It does not sound really dated very much at all. I mean, you know, it has a, a very vibrant sound. Um, the, the the trumpet playing, the, the 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 sax, everything on this, and I, obviously the piano playing is is very very good. So. Oh yeah, um, the first track that we're gonna hear is Blue Minor, and uh, I don't know. I was just grabbed immediately in this track uh, it has a very cool head um you know this melody sort of being played in unison by uh jackie mclean on sax and art farmer on trumpet uh and you know i mean it's a very typical jazz form of the time you know it starts with the head which is sort of like the the main melody or the main idea then it goes into all the solo sections um the first solo uh, alto saxophone the second solo trumpet um, that's part. That's probably the the part of the the tune that we're going to hear. Yeah. Um, but it's really sort of lively and 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 just tight, just like all the best uh, jazz combos of this time were. Yeah. Um, and uh, and what do you think of Blue Miner? I, I like it. All that stuff you just said in and in tight but free. If that makes sense. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. That makes total sense. It, yeah. it it has a very great flow to it. I mean, Art Art Farmer. I I mean, I just totally. I love the, the he has such a clarity in his playing, you know, and and it's it's just so good. I mean, 
you know, a, a, a jazz record, you know, can can do things where when you listen to it and it's 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 muddled and and and, and frantic, you know, it, it times it, it's it can turn people off. But this is not like that at all. I mean, it's it's very cool. It's it's very flowing, free flowing. But like you said, tight. I mean, they they're they're very good musicians, quality musicians in their performance on this record. And again, like I said, it to me it 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 just it just speaks to me in a way like no other music can. You know, I mean, I I totally go back to the whole thing with with the, the language of the of the spirit and, and however you want to look at that. Where it, there, there's something going on in jazz that it's it's almost like a telepathy. You know, where it it, it gets inside of of what I want to do. You know. With, with music and with everything, you know, that just, that makes, you know, that just makes life so sweet, I guess, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I think this is just a, it's just a very good record. I mean, you know, throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a track where Sonny Clark, I think, just kind of hangs back and does his thing and really lets Jackie McLean and Art Farmer shine on this track. Mm-hmm. Um so here it is. Uh, let's listen to it. This is Blue Minor by Sonny Clark. <laughs> Thank you. 
and we just heard Blue Miner, and we're going to move on to Deep Night. Um, one thing I can, you know, that got me right off, there are several things, um, is one, this tune really swings. I mean, it's really cool. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm hearing enough jazz now that I'm starting to get a sense for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, this one, you know, as opposed to the, the first one, I think is really a showcase for Sonny Clark and his piano. Um, the whole first part of it is just the trio, piano, drums, and bass. Um, it starts, you know, just with the head, just on piano, drums, and bass. I really like that there's this very seamless transition from the head into the first solo, which is, again, just piano. And uh, I love Sonny Clark's style. You know, mm-hmm. his ability to... Uh, accompany himself you know in really interesting harmonies you know on the left hand and solo you know with the right hand that always amazed me that pianists can do that you know mm, yeah um and uh i don't it's just a, a a great testament to what sonny clark could do you know everything he does seems just right it's never over the top it's never um, not enough. It's always just right, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, and that, and that's and that's a great testament too to to a jazz musician that that knows how to sort of you know bring elements of a performance together without making it too much on on a certain level. Like you said, the previous track where he kind of lays back and and everybody else kind of you know is 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 up front, and then this one he's more up front. You know, and it, and it and it works on on both both ends. You know, a, a musician that 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 can recognize, you know, the the things that make a a track good or that make an arrangement good. You know, that's that's a, a great quality. Someone who who's you know not too much of a I guess an ego maniac, so to speak, that they feel like they always have to be up front. You know, when playing. You know, and, and can sort of kind of pick their spots and, and, and just let the let the music flow, you know, and um and, and never never get outside of what what it's supposed to be, I guess, you know, which you know that can be relative, but it, it seems like like you said, he, he always he always has it together, you know, <laughs> in, in whatever he's doing. Oh yeah. Um cool man. Well let's check it out. Cool. This is Deep Night. Thank you. 
just heard Deep Night of Sonny Clark. And we're going to move on to our last album for this week, The Clash, London Calling, released in 1979. And uh, this was a giant album of the time. Um, Still is. Yeah. It just. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Here we go. (laughs) Uh, Adam, do you want to start? Uh, No, you go ahead. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm just. It's it's one of those records that I mean obviously it it was it was major major record in a sense to where it it changed so much I mean in the way people approach making records and and the, and the style and and just kind of sometimes just throwing everything out the window and just saying to hell with it um, you know this is I would say is a very big one um, for for sure yeah you know yeah one thing that got me about this album and you know I've heard over the years, a lot of different tracks from the album. Um, I can say I've never owned the album and I've never listened to the album like all, all the way through. And uh, one thing that got me was just the, uh, I don't know, the different styles on the album. Yeah. You know, I've always thought about the class. I've always been labeled as a punk band. And whenever I think of a, of a punk band from the late, late 70s, you know, you can't help but think of the Sex Pistols and and what they sound like. And, uh, you know, punk is perceived as a certain thing. Um, then this album really ventures far afield from uh, at times, you know. Yeah. Yeah, from what reg- you, yeah. From what you think of as punk. Yeah. The, the, the reggae sounds and the, the, at the at times like like kind of, you know, funk and, you know, kind of way back rock and roll sounds. I mean, with the you know, saxophone and stuff. I mean, just some, some things that, that were not really what you would hear on the radio at the time and consider, you know, popular, you know, they were just, you know, we're not really going to do all that. I mean, we're, we're really trying to do something way different. And I mean, like you said, not, not in a sense of where, cause I mean, they, they, they obviously came up with the sex pistols, but, but not even in a punk sense like that, but it was just kind of like, you know, we're doing our own thing, you know, and, and we're kind of doing it for us. And if you, you like it, great. If you don't, we really don't care. you know. And, right, and right. I think that's the one thing I appreciate about this for the most part. I mean, there, there was so much going on with, with record companies and, and people making really terrible records. And, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, they, the, the line in London calling where they, they kind of take a swipe at Beatlemania, which, you know, at the time was really, really popular. I, I can remember Beatlemania coming to Houston, you know, at the time and and how disgusted some people were by it, where it was just like, you know, hey, that that period's over. You know, can we have something new? I mean, you know, this is this is ridiculous. And I mean, at, at the time as a kid, I, I didn't quite really get that, so to speak. I mean, I was kind of like, you know, what's wrong with the Beatles? But then, I mean, it wasn't even about the Beatles. It was more about, you know, people just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, to the point of where it was, it was, it was sickening, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one point that Tom Moon makes that was different about The Clash than other punk bands was, you know, at the same time, they were about breaking down old barriers and stuff. Uh, like the Sex Pistols and other groups were like, you know, just destroy everything old. And uh, the Clash weren't about that. You know, they really sort of embraced a lot of 
music from the past and and uh, incorporated it into their own music. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's a lot lot to say about this album. Well, well and, I, and I totally agree with you on that front. Yeah, and I'm not saying that they, they didn't have respect because, like I said, the, the old rock and roll side, especially with that saxophone, you know, I mean, that's that to me, that's one of the elements of, of rock and roll that 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 kind of jumps out, especially the old style, like Elvis and, and Buddy Holly and that kind of stuff. Like you said, they they had a love for that. But at the same time, they gave their own kind of, you know, thumbprint on on the on the the genre, so to speak. They weren't just trying to copy again, going back to the old Beatlemania thing. They weren't just trying to, you know, flat out copy the. The, the music that had already been done, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's the difference. Um, right. Well, even the album cover was a take on an old Elvis Presley album cover. Yeah. Um, they use the same, you know, font and color scheme and everything the, the, the photo, um, is iconic. I mean, it, it's some, some have called it like the greatest rock and roll photograph ever taken. Um, it really embodies the whole attitude, you know, of this album and of the group and of the time. Um, so yeah, we're going to start with the title track London calling. And, uh, this song is an interesting sort of hodgepodge of protest. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's like a, a, just throwing out a sort of protest about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, the title London Calling is from basically the uh, the BBC World Service Station ID, which mm-hmm. apparently co- started out with This is London Calling, which is a big thing in World War II, would be broadcast in occupied countries. Um, this is like, you know, it would have had a, a much bigger cultural significance in London. I think, you know, and here in the United States, we don't know, you know, it doesn't have that impact on us, but, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the song itself, you know, is sort of, uh, there, like I said, there's all kind. it just sort of goes all over the place. You know, it, it's, it's, it's an, it's an anthem. It really is. I mean, like, like you said, he, He's talking about a, a variety of things in this song. And it's to me, it's it's just one of those I'm really sick of it all moments for Joe Strummer, where he yeah. just kind of is like, "Can you guys wake up and and realize what's going on?" I mean, there's so so much that that's that's not right with this, that, and the other. And if you just get up and 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 wake up, you know. You'd see it, and I think that's like you said the the whole you know London calling you know title. It's, it's like a, a sort of a, a call to arms, so to speak. Not necessarily you know like a, a military call, even though the music sounds that way. I mean, it's more of a of a cultural one at times, you know, where it's it's like you know do something, <laughs> you know, do something outside of of what you're doing now. I mean, it, it, especially if you're doing nothing. You know, I mean, like you said, he he's 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 he brings up a bunch of different subjects in in just this one song. Um, And like you said, obviously, it was it was more poignant to people in in that area in London. But still, you know, people over here, you know, gravitated to what they were saying, 
in a huge way as well. I mean, you know, I, I talk to people even now that 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 just totally revere this record, you know, and and thought that it was just for the time it was it was a, just a massive sort of statement, you know, for for the clash and for music in in general, you know, just you know, just something different, just something to just to say, hey, you know, let's let's just stop going through the same old, you know, generational cycle of of nonsense, so to speak, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Let's listen to it. Cool. This is London Calling by The Clash. heard london calling and we're going to move on to lost in a supermarket um, <laughs> and i think this is about kind of uh suburban disillusionment um people getting lost in a sort of commercialized world it starts out with uh basically the, the lyrics are about jones's whoa uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's my dog. He somebody is knocking at my front door or something. <laughs> so the lyrics are about Jones's uh, life growing up in a basement with his mother and grandmother. That's how it kind of starts out. Uh, but then it kind of, <clears throat> it kind of expands into these bigger uh, issues. Yeah. Yeah, I um. The, the, in the in the title of this song, when I when I first started, you know, listening to it, when I first when I first saw it, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't really kind of relate to this song, but but it, in a way, it does. I don't know if you ever seen that movie, The Hurt Locker. Um, no. With it's basically like like a guy in the military that that kind of you know diffuses bombs, um, and he he gets back from that life to regular civilian life, and there's a scene in that movie. 
where he's in a, he's literally in a supermarket and he's on the aisle with all the cereal and all of a sudden you realize that this guy is is just totally not equipped for a civilian life anymore and and he kind of is like you know what am i going to do and he winds up having to just to keep his sanity go back to the military and and doing what he was doing defuse the bombs he had more peace you know doing that and i mean again like i said that's that's not really exactly what this song is about but i kind of think that where you know someone kind of gets into that like you said that 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 suburban lifestyle where it, it it's almost it's almost like you're a zombie you know in, right. in some ways right. and um you know it, it's obviously it's for some people that's that's fine if that's how you want to live but you know just getting away from that and 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 living a life and and, and breathing a life that's that's much more vibrant you know i think is what he he kind of more was hitting at um you know and maybe maybe i'm wrong no i see i see where you're going yeah Um, yeah yeah i mean i think this this song could be um yeah really interpreted in a lot of different ways which is you know a a, a, yeah a testament to the lyrics but yeah um yeah man let's uh i don't know let's just let it speak all right cool and uh listen to it this is uh Lost in the supermarket. just heard lost in the supermarket by the clash and that's going to do it for 1000 recordings podcast number 40 
If you'd like to send us an email, send it to 1000recordingspodcast at gmail.com. You can join us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 1000rp. You can go to the website at 1000rp.blogspot.com, and you can join us on Facebook. On our website, we have links to all the albums that we play on today's show. They're Amazon links, and you can use those links. And if you do use those links on the website, uh, from our website to buy the albums, we'll get a little kickback that'll help us in our costs. There's also some information about how you can sponsor the show and help us with costs of uh, buying music and uh, hosting the podcast and things like that. Um, next week, I you know I think we're gonna try the three song format next week, unless we get just like a huge outcry from uh, from you guys out there saying, no, don't do it. Um, I think we're going to try it next week. And so next week that would uh, leave the albums um, as uh, Van Clyburn, who recently died, um, I think just like a month ago. Yeah. um, Doing a couple piano concertos of Rachmaninoff and Prokofiev, uh, Jimmy Cliff, The Harder They Come, and Patsy Cline, the Patsy Cline collection. So that would be for next week. Hey, you know, that... That that actually kind of works because that's that's a lot to talk about and just those three people. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah. So like I said, you know, if you have a a an opinion on the three album versus five album thing, just you know, let us know. Let us know how you feel about it. Um. Yeah, and until then, is there anything else you want to say? No, man. Um... I'm always grateful to sit down and do the show with you. Uh, it's going to be interesting to, to try to do this uh, in, the, in the coming weeks or whatever uh, with the new format. So uh, if if anyone has anything they want to say, please let us know. Um, please don't do it. Um, you guys suck. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we love the show. Whatever you have to say, uh, just just, you know, give us some feedback, please. Cool. All right. Well, until next time. Um, hope you have a good week, man. And we'll be back next week with more music. All right, man. Same to you. You guys take care. Have a great week. Bye-bye.